0: joining on uh, via the internet and on Facebook Live. We're glad you're with us today too. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Center Point Fellowship. Today we're continuing on in a new series we started last week and it's about our identity. You saw the double helix there. Uh, we've made a lie ever since the human genome was completed about 15 years ago. We've gotten a little more refined all the time about all those gene uh, couplings and uh, the chromosome couplings uh, that make up our DNA. And now you can send off in a kit. You can has anybody heard of this? You can get all your DNA makeup. You can know why you snore. I think my wife would want to know why I do that anyway. uh, But your ancestry, they can trace back all kinds of things. It helps you understand who you are, and that's what inspired the series. Because many times as Christians, some of us have been Christians since Moses was a kid. I mean, we've been around a long time, but we're still confused about who we are, and. When you're not thinking right, you get in a lot of trouble. A friend of mine, a Southern Baptist guy, he has all these phrases he uses all the time. He says, man, you need to incorporate some of these phrases. He came up with some good ones. He goes, like on this one, he would say, I know he would say this because I've heard him say something similar. You got some stinking thinking, so you need a checkup from the neck up. Okay, anyway, there you go. So, if you're looking for that, you better enjoy it, because I don't know how to do those all the time, okay? But anyway, we do have some stinking thinking when it comes to our identity, and we do need a checkup from the neck up. Do you know who you are? If you're a Christian, do you know who you are in Christ? And if you're not a believer, do you understand how great a deal this is to have a right relationship with God through Jesus? Well, today we're going to talk about that. So, if you came here hoping to be depressed and discouraged, you came to the wrong place, This shop is selling encouragement today and a lot of hope, and so I pray that today you will leave with both of those in abundance. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, today we're going to talk about our identity in Christ, and Father, I pray this will be terribly encouraging, because some of us have forgotten who we are, and Lord, we do live in a fallen world, and the devil would love to play tricks on us, and he would love to tell us that you don't love us, and we're not good enough to be involved with you or anybody else, and we're pretty much worthless, and we've blown it so much that we're just kind of waiting around till we die, and maybe, just maybe, we might get into heaven. And so we walk around discouraged and sad and defeated or critical of others all the time, and Lord, that's not anywhere you want us to be. So today, I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way and give us some real encouragement. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Hey, if you need a pen to fill in the blanks, please raise your hand. One of the ushers uh, will pass one to you. You're going to want to take some notes on this one. So today, I'm going to remind us of who we are, and we're going to learn this. So the first of all, it's right out of the Bible. Every bit of it will be right out of Scripture. You can't uh, say that, oh, I don't know where you got that. I'll show you where I'm getting it. All right? So the first one we're going to remind ourselves of is point A. This is the title for the whole day. Through Christ, I am a new creation. A new creation. Well, where do I get that? 2 Corinthians 5.17. Paul was writing, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So, can we say what's on this board so far? Through Christ, I am a new creation. Now, this matters. The whole Bible tells us that when God created Adam and Eve, he walked and talked with them in the garden. They were, his, he, they were literally his kids. He shared his thoughts and dreams with them. They had a right relationship with God until sin entered the picture. And then all that was destroyed. And the Bible doesn't end there. Then it just tells us how God throughout history has worked a plan to bring back a right relationship, to recreate things, to have a new creation. And that's what's possible through Christ. A right relationship with God. Adam and Eve walked and talked in the cool of the day with God himself in the Garden of Eden. Do you know that through a right relationship with Christ, you and I can have, through the Holy Spirit living in us, we can have constant communication with God himself? We can be new creations. We can be remade, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. Now, for those of you who are watching online, this is an 8 o'clock service right now, and there's no reaction here, okay? Okay. I'm going to give you a running start at this again, okay? And this time I expect somebody to say amen or hallelujah or praise God or just yippee, okay, would be good, all right? Through Christ, we can now have a right relationship with God anytime we want. Yeah, amen, yippee, there we go. That's true. And we forget this, that I'm a new creation, Many times we allow ourselves to be defined only by our past. And some of us have a past that's not a light lunch at all. My goodness. That's the whole point of coming to Christ. Your sins are washed away and you get a new life. Look, here are a couple of implications of this. Through Christ, my sins are forgiven. So I'm just going to put, I am forgiven here. Because that's who I am now. To Christ my sins are forgiven and forgotten my goodness acts 13:38 paul is proclaiming this paul traveled from town to town as a world's greatest missionary, telling people who'd never heard of Jesus. He'd go into synagogues where people had heard about the Old Testament and how God was going to send a Messiah and a deliverer. And he'd go, that Messiah is Jesus. And let me tell you how it all worked out and how he died on the cross and he rose again. And then he would tell them, and this is the end of his speech in Acts thirteen thirty-eight. He goes, or his sermon, brothers, listen, we're here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Once and for all. And it says, the people there couldn't believe it. They followed him out of the synagogue and they invited him back the next week and the next week the whole town came out because they'd all heard about animal sacrifices and you had to repent of your sins over and over and this is now forgiven and forgotten. I mean, all the things they'd heard of, didn't know how this would ever come to pass. Psalm 103:12, he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Notice it doesn't say north and south. There is a north pole and a south pole. East and west goes on forever and ever and ever. Do you know how far your sins are removed from you when Jesus Christ washes away your sins? Forever and ever. Through Christ, I am forgiven. Can we say that much together? Through Christ, I am forgiven. And now can we say yippee? Yippee! Do you know that we walk around completely in denial of that most of the time? And forgotten, by the way. Isaiah 43, 25, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Oh. doesn't mean that God has a faulty memory. It's that he has torn up the bill of sale and says, I don't care. I've paid that debt in full. My son paid that penalty for you. Your sins are forgiven. You're a new creation. I'm a new creation I am forgiven. Point two. And through Christ, I am holy and blameless. Through Christ. This is what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Last month, we went through Mark's gospel and proven that Jesus was the son of God. And we talked about all that. Well, now this is what he extends to us. This is our new DNA. This is who we are. This defines who we are. Through Christ, I am holy and blameless. Where would I get this idea? Colossians 1.22. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I am holy and blameless. And you go, well, you don't know me. Well, first of all, what I want you to understand is, we're going to unpack this as we go through on this. The word, you have to understand two different words. The first one is position. And that's the the fill-in-the-blank over here. Through salvation, my position has changed. I have gone from lost to saved, from death to life, from apart from Christ to united with Christ, to tired old sinner headed to hell, to born again headed for heaven. On my own part of God's family, my position has changed through Christ. I need a yippee on that one. Yippee. Holy, by the way, means set apart. I'm set apart now because my position has changed. Some of you, if you're still struggling with this, let me just tell you here. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Who dares accuse us when God has chosen us for his own? No one, for God himself, has given us right standing with himself. And please underline the words right standing, wrong standing. The old way, in our old sinful state, right standing through Christ. Positional changes matter. Last week, Tommy had his daughter up here, and they were talking about how she'd been adopted. Her position went from orphan to child. Positionally, she was changed. Same kid, but her position was radically different. I've never been adopted, but I did get married. That's what this ring means. When I put this ring on 30 years ago, my position changed. I went from person who dressed himself to person who now is dressed by my wife, okay? <laughs> that was what, hey amen. Somebody said, yippee. That's incredible. Do you know that when, when I was by myself, nobody ever told me I looked nice? We got married too. After we got married, people came and said, man, you look nice today. You're dressing really well. Oh, yeah, somebody else dressed me. Okay, that's why. But my position Changed. I went from being single to married, filing jointly. The IRS says you've positionally changed. Your, your status has changed. Right standing. Our status has changed. Why would we be holy and blameless? Because now our sins are paid for. Now this is different. Our position is different from our condition, and we will talk about that in a little bit. So hang on to that. Some of you are going, but i got questions. Yeah. And to tip my hat on this, or could tip my hand on this a little bit, okay, you understand that 30 years ago, one minute after I put the ring on her finger and was pronounced that we're legally married, I was just as much a husband as I am now. Positionally. Conditionally, oh, I have changed a lot in 30 years. We'll get to that in a second. So hang on. There's more to this story. We have to understand this. And so when the Bible says that I'm holy and blameless, it's because my position has changed. I now have right standing with God. I'm covered over with the robe of righteousness. When God looks at me, he sees Jesus. And for that, I need a hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's say this together. This time, going to this one. Through Christ, I am holy and blameless. And the devil would love to remind you, you are not. If anybody knew what you had done, they wouldn't even let you into worship. Well, Jesus knows everything I've done. And he paid my debt in full. He paid yours too if you came to him. Can John Schmidt stand in front of you and say he's holy and blameless? Yes, in the eyes of God, I am holy and blameless. Is he still working on me? Well, that's point two. Point B, and we'll get to it in a minute. So hang, keep your shirt on. We're getting there. Okay? Point three here. Through Christ, I am spiritually alive. I am spiritually alive. Before I came to Christ, I was spiritually dead. You were dead because of your sins. But God made you alive with Christ, and he forgave all your sins. Colossians 2 Paul, a little later in Titus, unpacking this more. Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, and he washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. And this is why people say you're born again. And Jesus said you had to be born again. New creation. Spiritually alive. I was spiritually deaf, dead. I wasn't even sensitive to the things of God. I sinned because sinners sin. Fish swim, birds fly, sinners sin. I didn't even know how bad a sinner I was. But I came to Christ and he opened my eyes. And now I'm spiritually alive. And now I can have a right relationship with God. I was spiritually dead. So were you. Caught up in envy, jealousy, all the stuff Titus was there. Foolish, disobedient, misled, slaves to sin. I've been set free. I don't have to sin like that anymore. I can follow Jesus now. Hallelujah. Now, flip your outline over. Here are two false identities that we embrace all the time, and the devil works overtime to make sure we stay here. And you can think of these as this. If I've got a uh, road that God wants me to travel, and this is a path toward a right relationship with God, the devil would love to get me to turn off to the left or turn off to the right. So let's hit one of them first. Here's a false ID. I am so messed up, God can never forgive me. So this is the thing. I am messed up. I run into this one all the time. I'm so messed up, God can never forgive me. You know people like this too. And they have sinned. And some of them, it's a long list. But that's not what the Bible says. Listen to Romans 3, and then we'll get to that other false identity. We are, this is from Romans 3.22. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone. For who? Everyone. everyone who believes. It's true for everyone. To believe in Christ means to believe he died on the cross for your sins. It means to surrender control of your life to him. To submit to his leading and say, I'm tired of my sinful old wicked life. For everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. That's how we got that positional change. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So a false identity is that God will never forgive me. I'm too messed up. Here's the other false identity. I'm basically a good person and better than most, maybe better than you. And I don't need a whole new life. So on this one, we just say, I'm basically good. I might need a tweak. I mean, I could work on some things. But I'm a good person, I guess. I mean, I haven't killed anybody. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that one. When did that become the level of righteousness? I haven't killed anybody. Well, good. Hallelujah. Thank you for not murdering anyone. Can we go beyond that? Where did we get that idea, that that's the bar? I mean, God wants us to have a whole new life. And so there are people who say, well, I'm basically good and I'm better than other people. I'm better than that guy. The truth is that this verse has it right here in Romans 3. It's like that all of us, we all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. We're all sinners. So to these people who've gotten off on the wrong track over here saying they're basically good enough. And there were people in Jesus' presence who did this. They tried to keep a lot of rules and regulations and even though their hearts were filled with jealousy and greed and anger, and some of the people even plotted to kill Jesus were thinking they were basically better than everybody else, it led them to all kinds of pride and sinful habits. Well, Jesus confronted those people. I mean, the truth is, is that we're all sinners here. Instead of so these people, I go, you're not as good as you think. In fact, we're all terribly filled with sin, if we're honest with ourselves. To these people over here, I can do the same thing. We're all terribly full of sin. And so you're no more messed up than anybody else when we're grading against God's holiness and God's perfection. We all miss by a million miles. It's whether we miss by a million and five or a million and twelve miles. So we come to Christ, all of us, and the devil would love to get us off in this ditch or in this ditch, just not here where we're depending on God. And if you have not given your heart to Christ today and control of your life to Christ because you say, I'm too messed up, but you can never forgive me, I'd remind you that we've all sinned. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. And he did it so that we could have right standing to change our condition from lost to saved, from lost to found, from orphan to child, from apart from God to with God forever. Headed to hell, headed to heaven. That's all available through Christ. Today, right now, come to Jesus. And if I'm a Christian, then I need to embrace this and say, well, I've done that. Well, then quit telling yourself that I'm so messed up, God can't use me. I wonder if God really loves me. I hear people say that, and they've been a Christian for 20 years. Why are you saying that? My wife would not take kindly if all of a sudden I started walking around the house, I wonder if you're really committed to me. Been doing your laundry for 30 years and you're wondering if I'm committed to you? What in the world? We settled this at the altar 30 years ago. Why on earth are you asking such questions? I mean, God has done everything to prove his love for us. We can say all this stuff, but then we start believing, well,. And we're the ones who dredge up our past, and we're the ones who dredge up all of our insecurities. We don't forgive others, and then we project that on God. Well, He doesn't forgive me. Mm. He's forgiven us, washed us clean. Don't get off on either side of either ditch, on either side of that road. Now, because I'm a new creation, there's a couple of more things that need to be added to this list. First of all, because I'm a new creation, so, first of all, let me read this one, that I'm spiritually alive. Can we do this this much together? Read it with me, please. Through Christ, I am spiritually alive. Yippee. Thank you. Okay, good. Got one on that one, too. Now, because I'm a new creation, I am useful to God. Let's put that in the list, too. This is terribly important. And it goes with all those false statements that we talked about that, hey, I'm I'm too messed up. I can't be useful to God. Uh, listen to this passage in Philippians 1, Philippians, 1, Philippians 2. I took a couple verses from both chapters there. Um, I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. For God is working in you. Please circle that. Put a star next to it. Underline it. Draw an arrow to it. And remind yourself this the next time you blow it. God is working in you. Say that with me. God is working in you. Now turn to the person next to you and say, God is working in you. That is so lame. Do it again. Tell them with conviction this time. God is working in you. Do you know that we don't believe this? We go, well, John, if God saved me and he changed my position here how come I'm still struggling with some stuff and I should be a lot farther along? Well, maybe. Maybe you're doing better than you think. I mean, when's the time we took an honest look at ourselves? Look at this. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I mean, this is is so important for us to understand. Here's the false identity thing. Warning, here's another false identity. Even though Jesus forgave me, I'm still not good enough. I'm not good enough for God to use me. I have people tell me that all the time. Hey, you've contributed a lot in your small group, and your connect group. Hey, why don't you, would you consider being a leader? Oh, not me. I'm not good enough. Oh, not me. Hey, why don't you talk to your kids about dating and sex and other things? Oh, if you knew my past, I can never talk to my kids about that because I'm not good enough. Hey, why don't you... Get some co-workers together and, you know, invite them to come with you to worship sometime and other things. And maybe we go to lunch afterward. Oh, I couldn't invite my co-workers. I'm not good enough. Oh, really? You're a new creation, forgiven, holy, and blameless, spiritually alive, and useful to God. Yeah, but I'm not good enough. That's not in the list. That's not in the list. And now you know if you pull that excuse on me, you're in for a 20-minute conversation. So don't say it. Okay, don't say it. You're going, oh, my goodness, he warned me. Here we go. I'm going to get all this dumped on you. If God calls you to do something, that means we're going to have to step up our game and learn, of course. And are we still, being, are we still working on things? Yes. And we'll talk about that. That's the conditional part. We'll get to that. He's working on our condition. We'll get to that in just one second. Let's go to point two because this relates to it. So if, because I'm a new creation in Christ, I must pursue the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of my life. Okay? to Christ I'm a new creation, all these things, so now I must pursue Him and the Holy Spirit's leading. Peter talked this way. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back in your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. You're spiritually alive now. You're sensitive to spiritual things. Don't go back and... Continue to sin, pursue God. Those who are dominated by a sinful nature, think about sinful things. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And now we're back to this. Through sanctification, my con- my condition will change. My position changed at salvation. My condition changes through sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming set apart and useful for God. I don't go to Bible studies. I don't go to small groups if, I, if I'm saved to ensure my salvation over and over again. The position's already, been, we've crossed over from death to life. That's already done. The question that we need to, the thing that we need to pursue now. Is our condition? That's this. Are we going up the road, pursuing God, pursuing the Holy Spirit's activity in every part of my life, surrendering every part of my life, my time, my money, my relationships, my entertainment, my brain? I mean, that I'm trying to learn. What, what did Christians do in the past to have their thoughts fully yielded to God? I mean, if I'm adopted into God's family, when an orphan came into as an orphan came into Tommy and Shelley's family last week, and they talked about that. Well, now she's growing up into that family. Her position changed. Now her condition has to change. She has a new name. She has a new identity. She's part of a family. She needs to learn the family history. She needs to learn their language. She needs to learn their culture. She needs to learn how to please her father and her mother. Well, we're doing the same thing. Now that I'm adopted into God's family, I need to learn to please him. Let's go back to marriage. I was just as married two minutes after the ceremony as I am today. My position was completely switched. My status was changed. My standing was changed, but I have been in a 30-year crash course to learn how to please that woman, and I ain't not figured it out yet, okay, but, uh, but I'm getting warmer. There's a lot to learn. That's a big manual, okay? It's thick, and uh, okay, I'm really in trouble, but she's not here. I'm going to change that for the next service. Anyway, but the idea is this. The idea is this. Hey, look, I've got to learn the things that please her, not so I can stay married. We're just as married as we've ever been. But since I'm married, why wouldn't I want to please her? I mean, a lot of times we go into rules like this. Well, okay, so if I'm a Christian, can I do this or not do this? I mean, what would you think of a husband that would go, okay, since I'm married now, can I still go and flirt with other women? Well, no. Why don't you learn to date your wife? As Christians, we go, well, hey, can I go do this and this and this? Why don't you rather, instead of trying to figure out what you can get away with, why don't you try to figure out what pleases the Lord? Then all these verses make sense. And surrender every part of your life to Him. He gives you the desire and the power to change. So it's a matter of saying, Lord, would you show me what to do? Would you help me love you more? Would you open your Bible to me? Would you bless my relationships? Would you teach me how to forgive? Would you teach me how to pray? And surrender every part of your life to him. And over time, you'll become a radically different person because every single part of your life has been surrendered. I mean, that's what happens in marriage. You make decisions together, and all of a sudden, two people who are completely independent now make all their decisions together, and their lives are completely one. That's a healthy marriage. It's the right relationship, and that's why it's a picture of a relationship between Christ and the church. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. That's what he does. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. This is where I'm getting this. And he goes on in Galatians, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you are godly, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. See, so that's the great thing about being part of a church. As we're learning to do this, you don't have to do it alone. Not only do we have the Holy Spirit working inside us, the Holy Spirit's working in our brothers and sisters, and we can help each other. I need an hallelujah or a yippee on that one, too. Now think about this. You're not alone. You don't have to figure this all out. People say, well, why do I need to go to church? Well, because I can't figure it all out on my own. Neither can you. That'd be ridiculous. We can help each other back on the right path. Remember? When we get off, start dwelling in our past, start getting prideful. Hey, you need to come back. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself, share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. One last point. I must tell others about the new life through Jesus. Okay, i got to pursue God. I'm useful to God. That's true. i got to pursue a relationship and surrendering, holy, the, surrendering the Holy Spirit in every part of my life. The other thing is I need to tell others about new life through Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And what Paul is saying there is simply this, that I'm a new creation. I'm forgiven, holy, blameless, spiritually alive, useful to God. Well, why wouldn't I want the whole world to know that? I can't hide behind I'm not good enough. Yeah, you are. Well, I need to learn more. Well, good, learn more we'll help you. Let's get on with it. Let's help each other grow. Let's do the things God wanted us to do. Let's go. And at Center point, this is what we mean by a centered life. We want everyone to play in this church. We do we want everyone to be involved in ministry. And so we're always looking for new ways to experiment, to get more people involved in ministry. And that's why Celia Thorington's stand here. Come on in, Celia. Celia is a hobbit. Um, anyway, uh, (laughs) according to the screens right there, that is outrageous. Okay. it kind of stretches things here, but anyway, uh, Celia, uh, (laughs) you're in children's ministry. Yes. Why did you get into children's ministry?
1: Well, I love kids and I wanted to share Jesus with children.
0: Okay. And so does that happen? Okay. Let me just put it this way and don't hit me on this one, but what would you say to somebody who came up to you and said, children's ministry at church is really just babysitting. while the parents go to worship?
1: Well, I would smile real big and grit my teeth, and then I'd say, you know, come down. Come see what we do, because what we do down there is sharing Jesus with children.
0: Yeah, and so... You've been in this for about 10 years. Uh, do, do kids really come to Christ through the ministry here in Prattville?
1: Absolutely. Uh, just within the past month here in Prattville, we've had about six children who have accepted Jesus as our personal Savior. And uh, just last Sunday, I met with a young man who was, yeah, yeah clap for that. Him. That's great. See, I get claps. You, you you have to beg for it. Yeah, so. I know.
0: This is terrible. If he comes <laughs> up and says, one thing, y'all applaud. I'm pulling teeth up here. Go
1: ahead. Uh, okay. So, yeah, last Sunday, I met with an eight-year-old young man. His parents came to me and said, you know what, he's been indicating to us that he thinks he's ready. And so I met with him and the young man articulated for me perfectly. He is a sinner in need of a savior and um, should be baptized within the next month.
0: Yeah. And so you don't have to be a PhD to come to Christ, do you?
1: Absolutely not.
0: No. In fact, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. They have a simple faith. And that brings us to why I wanted you up here. When we're talking about being ambassadors and telling other people about the new life through Jesus Christ, that's important to you, right? Absolutely. I challenged Celia last year. Can you figure out a way to make, to intensify or open up channels for people to bring more people to Vacation Bible School. We're committed to Vacation Bible School, but we want it to really be an outreach activity, too. And so you found a church in Birmingham that did did something really creative. Tell everybody what that
1: is. Yeah, about 10 years ago, uh, this church up in Birmingham, it's the church at Brook Hills, uh, they came up with this idea of basically multiplying the number of locations in order to reach more people. And so they started out real small, uh, probably 10 sites maybe, and then... This past year, or this year, they're going to have about 100 locations, and they will be reaching about 5,000 families.
0: Yeah, and the idea simply is this, instead of having Vacation Bible School just one location, they have people up open their homes, or they go to a park, or a community center. Right? Yes, absolutely. And and then they get groups of people that were doing Vacation Bible School, and we're going to do this this year, we're going to experiment with this this year, we do that for a few days at multiple locations at the same time, and then have a big rally at the end. Yes, Okay, so what's the thinking? Why would that help reach more people?
1: Well, you probably know people on your street that they may not go to church and may not be willing to take their child to a vacation Bible school that is being held at a church. But because they have a relationship with you, they would be completely willing to let their child come over to your house for a BBS in your backyard.
0: Yeah, and then we have the big rally at the end. The parents are invited too. So now not only do we have a chance to tell kids about Jesus, but we get a chance to reach out to their parents as well. I mean, that's the experiment. That's what we're going to try to do this year. But what drives all of it is the same thing, because we want to tell kids about Jesus.
1: Yes, we want to tell kids, and then you, it, it opens up the opportunity to reach the parents as well. So you're not only affecting one life, you've then brought in potentially three lives.
0: And if this works and we experiment with it, this could be used with sites everywhere. I mean, it's in a small way, the same thing we're doing by just having more locations. Thanks, I appreciate it very you. much. All right, good to see you. Give a round of applause on that. Okay, so let's wrap up. Let's summarize. Here this is great news. Through Christ, let's read all of this together and we'll kind of finish with this. Just read this with me, please. Through Christ, I am a new creation, forgiven, holy and blameless, spiritually alive and useful to God. Now the reason I pursue him, yeah, you be good. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you know the reason I pursue him is not so I can be forgiven or holy and blameless once I've done that, once I've come to Christ. That's not it at all. And so I can grow and be more useful to him. And the whole reason that we're in this together, we can do things, experiment with this VBS thing is to help us be more useful together. We're not alone. Why would we ever try to do it alone? We can pray for each other and help each other. This is exciting stuff you know these things are all true. You've got the scripture and verse, every all the chapter and verse for every one of these things right here in your outline. Never let the devil tell you that you are ruled by your past. When you come to Christ, your sins are forgiven, removed as far as the east is from the west, and God remembers them no more. You have right standing with God through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And you're useful to Him. Oh, that's why we pursue Him. That's why we surrender every part of our lives to the Holy Spirit be more useful to be closer to him every single day we live. We want to tell the whole world this is good news. There are people dying for this. We have so many of the friends in our neighborhoods and at work and other things. They are they are living in an old life. They are they are not forgiven. They do not feel holy and blameless. They're spiritually dead, bound with guilt, depressed. This week I too shared the gospel with a man in my office. 5 years ago he walked out of the office. He would not give his life to Christ. He was warned. I told him, you need to give your life to Jesus. This week he came back. He had gone far from God, and he came back, and this week it was a whole different story. He'd had a belly full of sin, and he said, I need Jesus, and we prayed for him to come to Christ right there in my office. I'm going, thank you, Lord. I mean, all this stuff, I mean, I had a perfect person to practice my outline on. I mean, I was loaded for bear. This was great. I was ready. Do you know we can all be ready? If you have never given your life to Christ today, would be a great day to do it. If you've given your life to Christ, but you've bought into the lies of the devil, and he's either gotten you thinking, well, you don't need to pursue God because you're good enough, or he's gotten you off track where, uh, and made yourself righteous that way, or you loathe yourself and say, I'm not good enough, God will never forgive me. Don't believe either of those lies. Let's come to Jesus. Yeah, we're sinners, forgiven by God. Let's pursue him pray with me please Lord I thank you for this I thank you that we are made clean our sins are forgiven through Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross I thank you that you changed our condition and Lord um, more than that you changed our position I pray Lord we wouldn't get the two confused in a moment of silence just talk to the Lord and say Lord I want to be fully surrendered to you every part of my life show me the parts of my life that are not surrendered help me help me do what's right give me the desire and the power to follow you pray these things in the name of Jesus amen